Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right, so today I have Levi Breederland with me, uh, and we are going to be talking about homeschooling and you know some of the reasons why someone might uh, want to homeschool or not send their kids to school at all. Um, so, you know, oftentimes we might uh, you know criticize public schools or something like that, but still think that, you know, parish schools might be a good place for the kids or, um, you know, some other kind of private school. Uh, but, you know, I think the issue is that a lot of times people can't afford that stuff. I know parishes are good about having uh, scholarships and stuff sometimes, but it is an expensive option. And I think there are good reasons. Maybe I will talk about those sometime, but just briefly, you know, that this, the reality is the teachers are all educated in the same places. And so to an extent, a school is a school. Uh, I know a, a private school is going to be different in, in some respects, but uh, in sort of the most fundamental ways, you know, they're going to be very similar. Um, so we have this article that I want to, and there's my child making lots of noise. Uh, I don't know if you can hear that, but um I want to I want to talk through this article that I'm going to put into the show notes, and um, it says uh, it, the, the title of the article is Seven Reasons School Is Not an Option for My Homeschooled Kids," and we're going to go through some of them, not all of them. But um, but uh, how's it going, Levi? How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. And so Levi has a lot of experience as a homeschool uh, father. He has uh, what three kids? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I was homeschooled uh, up until grade eight as well. So I've got kind of the experience on, on both ends of that. Right. So, the, you know, so hopefully that's some context and it's not just me um, who is, doesn't really have much experience with this whole homeschool thing. Uh, you know, you're, you're hearing from someone who has more experience on, and again, on both sides of it. So um, I want to start with this second one that she goes through, which is called, which is titled, there's a real safety concern. And so I'll just read, it's very brief. I'll just read what she says. Uh, Schools aren't safe anymore at all. Between ever increasing incidents of bullying, assaults, bomb threats, and school shootings, I honestly don't know how people can feel confident that their kids are safe when they put them on the bus every morning. I know there are people that will tell you that schools are safer today than ever, but when your local middle school has police officers patrolling the halls and parents have to have their driver's licenses scanned before entering the building, you know something's up. Uh, she says, I know the chances of anything major happening are small, but when it comes to my kids, I'll err on the side of caution. And I think, I think this is interesting because it gets into something that um, you often hear from um, you know, people who just like to defend certain orthodoxies, right? Uh, or certain, certain, I guess, orthodoxies of the, 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 the secular religion of the age, which is, you know, it's like, you, well, you just don't understand how statistics work. Like you, you know, the, the statistics show that, uh, you know, schools are safer than ever. Um, so you shouldn't have to worry about this or, you know, the, the probability of, you know, this, um, uh, this event happening is very low. And so, you know, you shouldn't worry about it. And, and I think there's a couple things to say to that. Uh, and the first one is that, you know, number one, um, you know, I'm going to choose how I interpret those risks, right? So the statistics are one thing, right? And I could perfectly well agree that, you know, you can collect data um, and you can uh, form some kind of 
you know, uh, risk um, rating or something like that for uh, a given instance. But, you know, I also have to exercise judgment on um, how I uh, interpret that risk, you know, through my own risk preference. So, um, first of all, you know, just, just the statistics. I mean, this is why people gamble, right? Uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course, the odds of winning are low, but, you know, I want to take the risk. Um, and in this case, you know, it might be the opposite. And, and the second thing is to say that, you know, as she mentions here, it's like, okay, yeah, we're saying they're safer, but we've basically turned them into, you know, something re- resembling a prison, you know, like you walk in and there's metal detectors, uh, there's police roaming the halls. Well, yeah, of course they're safer in a sense, you know, but <laughs> now your kid is acclimated to this creepy, uh, you know, institutionalized environment, you know, where they're, they're just used to cops roaming the halls, making sure, you know, it's like, what are they supposed to trust their teachers and their fellow students now? It's like, well, I can't trust anybody obviously because there's a cop roaming the halls, like just to make sure we don't kill each other. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. you know, it just seems like a lunatic kind of, uh, oh, it's a lot safer. And it's like, well, yeah, if, if everyone was in a cage, we would all be safer, right? I think um, I think the big thing too is like, it's not just the fact that there have been school shootings or scary incidents. Like there's there's always, you're, you're always hearing stories of threats and people who've been uh, plotting something that have been stopped and that kind of thing. But also just like on a more minor side of things on a personal level like you don't want to put your kids in a situation where there there could be a a possibility for abuse from either staff or other students and bullying is is an issue and of course that gets thrown around a lot like it's 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 in some ways it's kind of overhyped but it is a thing like it's yeah we we need to protect our kids and and the school system is not necessarily the best way for that to happen because you know you're 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 putting your trust in someone else basically right Boils yeah. down to. And, and you'll I, I think it's it's kind of funny to see you know recently there's been this big uh debate about you know banning porn and stuff like this and what's interesting is that you're you're seeing the usual suspects come out and say oh you, your your argument for banning porn is you know oh well think of the children and it's like yeah like literally think of the children, (laughs) like, you know, sometimes that can be used, you know, cynically as, uh, you know, an excuse for, you know, overreach or something. But at the same time, the reason why people use it is because it has a legitimate, um, you know, I mean, it's a legitimate thing to say. It's a legitimate concern. Like you should protect your children. You shouldn't just be like, well, uh, you know, if the, the market has the proper incentives for my children to not smoke heroin. And it's like, uh, not sure about that. Not, I don't know if you smoke heroin, so that's, this is how square, it's still illegal in Canada. Yes. Yeah. It's illegal. So it's like, oh yeah, I forgot to mention that, uh, Levi, uh, is Canadian. So we have the American Levi and the Canadian Levi. So that's how you can tell us apart. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the, just, just know that things are different there. I, I imagine your schools are safer because everyone in Canada is nice, right? Yeah, we all say sorry when bad things happen and <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think I think in Canada the the whole like security side of things that you definitely see in the states, I think it's it's less mm-hmm. um maybe maybe a bit less, but uh yeah. yeah, Canada tends to follow in the 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 US's footsteps in in many ways. Right. So the school that I went to after I was homeschooled, which is now more than a decade ago, um, 
yeah, we didn't have as much security as the, the, the public school system in that area. Okay. And like the public schools had more, they had like a security guard at the door and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we were, our school was pretty chill. If you, if you had wanted to pull off a, a large scale incident of any kind, it wouldn't have been hard to do. And that's right. looking back. It's like, Oh yeah, I see, I see the risk there. Yeah. And, and I can remember, I mean, I can remember things changing around the time I was in school. Like when I was, when I started high school in 2001, um, you know, there, you know, we had, we, we, we knew that there was something called a school resource officer, you know, and every once in a while I would see his car, you know, his cop car on the front of the school or whatever, but I never saw this guy just like roaming the halls. And, and, you know, we never had, uh, you know, like if you, if you came to the school to see your kid, like you were supposed to go check in at the office, but you're like, and, and of course, you know, okay, I'm from a small town, so maybe that's part of it. But um, even in my small town now, it's like, you have to have like a, you have to have like a visitor pass and all this stuff. And, and there's, there's, um, you know, so what I'm saying is by the time I, f I left high school, this stuff was starting to come in. And now it's just so much even more like I feel uncomfortable going into a high school uh, because it's like, you know, like you, you just feel like you're <laughs> like, you know, there's there's people just ready to descend on you if you make the wrong move, you know, and it's like, man, this is just a weird place. Um, OK, so the second thing uh, that I want to discuss is her number three, and it, and it gets more to, you know, the actual activities of the school itself. Um, so she says, public education has an unhealthy obsession with standardized tests. Uh, so she says, uh, although I pulled my kids back out of school after two years, my oldest daughter asked to remain in school. She was doing well and in all honors classes, so I agreed. To be honest, since I was so rigid about recreating school when we first started homeschooling, she grew to detest homeschooling. In spite of that, at the end of her eighth grade year, she asked me to please homeschool her for high school. Her reason? our district's mania over test prep and standardized tests. These tests are a waste of time. The only thing they are, they are successful at is stressing out students and teachers alike. I'm not willing to let my kids' formative years be wasted in order for them to be the guinea pigs of the state. Sorry. <laughs> this is a good one because um, like even, even in systems where there's less standardized testing, like uh, the school I went to in, uh, in British Columbia, Canada, there was, there was less testing than what she's talking about for standardized stuff and teachers could roll their own tests for more things. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted to get the, like the official provincial diploma that you did high school, you did have to do standardized tests that all, all high school students did. And there were definitely teachers who quote taught, what was the term taught to the teach the test. Yeah. Teach the like test. Yep. Like they're really teaching you exactly what you need to know so that you can pass this test and you do practice exams of old tests so you can get really good at knowing how the test works and all that yeah, kind of thing. Right. And I, I don't, I don't recall it ever being beneficial, like other than to say like, Oh yeah, I scored 92% on this test and you only scored 89% like to compare apples and apples with another right. student but other than that it's like what's the point yeah and so I, I think that kind of shows that, that the real the real purpose of it is for the state to know how you're doing 
you know, um, it, it's not like something like, you know, the, um, the SAT or the ACT where the standardized test is to place you in something. Right. Um, and, and I can understand that. I mean, if, I mean, even if, if I was just running some kind of an academy, right, I would want to know how prepared the people were coming into my program. Right. I mean, even if I was running a, like a technical program, right, I would want to know what they knew coming in. Yeah. And uh, testing everyone with the same test is a good efficient sure. way to do so. Yeah. So that makes sense. And, and, and maybe even, you know, as a professor, you know, and I, I don't like tests. I normally give students, I mean, I, my, my classes to the extent that I can control it are, are mainly essay based um, when I can do that. I mean, sometimes, sometimes exams make sense, but um, you know, I, I prefer them to, to have to demonstrate things because that's how, you know, that's how you actually, um, convince someone that you know something, right. Is that you can, you can talk about it. Yeah. The real life knowledge. Right. Now, if I'm teaching, you know, from teaching algebra, okay, well, you know, (laughs) do algebra problems. Right. And so then an exam makes sense, but, but yeah, and and it's, and it's really strange too, like in in, here in the U S I mean, you know, our state laws are different for homeschooling. And um, if you go to the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which I'll, I'll put a link to HSLDA. So we, we're members um, of HSLDA. And basically what it is is just a, uh, well, you, you, for very cheap, you have a, basically a lawyer on retainer in case uh, the government comes after you for homeschooling. But um, they help you understand the homeschool laws and stuff. And um, one, one of the things you notice is that uh, one of the big differentiators between different states on, on homeschooling is uh, the extent to which they still force you, your child to take exams, uh, you know, the state tests at certain, you know, certain years and stuff like that in school. And, you know, here in Kansas, I think there's only like two or three years out of like, you know, this kid's whole 12 years in school or whatever that they're, you know, they take the big state test. But it's so funny because like, you know, if, if the first one's in fourth grade, well, you're already preparing for it by first or second grade. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, this is just, I mean, it's myopic, you know, it's like, it, it's not about what, you know, you know, a six-year-old kid needs to, uh, you know, to do in their life at that point in time. It's about like f- making sure they can pass this test so that the district can get money. You know, and it just it just seems nuts to me. Yeah, so, there's too much focus on it overall. Like, if it was a small thing that happened, and it was kind of like yeah. you know, you know, at the end of at the end of the month, we're doing we're doing tests. Let's all make sure we're ready right. for that. But when it's kind of you know, had the whole year or multiple years focusing on the this test coming up, right? Like that 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 defeats the point of testing everyone in the same, in the same way and getting like a standardized result when, yeah, yeah, when there's too much focus on it. And see, this is, this is what's funny to me about the the perception of, of, of the childless or the old um, with, with kids, you know, so like, you know, your kids, grandparents, or, you know, I mean, your parents are different because they homeschooled, you know, they had you homeschooled for a long time, but you know, like just the average family, uh, you know, at least that I'm familiar with, right? Like my younger brother who doesn't have kids or, you know, my parents who are very removed from the school system. I mean, they just have absolutely no idea what it's like. And, you know, they're like, well, you know, you turned out just fine. So, (laughs) you know, there's nothing wrong with sending your kid to public school. And it's like, dude, you don't know what these places are like now. Um, 
and you don't know what the curriculum is like. You know, people, there's been a big dust up over the new math crap that they're, which I mean, you know, it's just like, it's whatever. I mean, it's just a different way to, to, to learn the same thing. And I mean, to me, it seems, uh, overly, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just overly, um, I guess graphic. It takes up a bunch of time and a bunch of room to write down these problems, you know? And, (laughs) um, but, but it's like, you know, they just don't understand. They, they haven't, they haven't seen these schools. They haven't been in them. They haven't been paying attention to, uh, you know, some of the big events and stuff like that, that have, you know, really changed the way, um, education is done over the last say 10 or 15 years. Um, yeah. People, people pay their property tax or whatever is going toward the education system and, and don't really have any other involvement other than that. Right. Exactly. So let's see. Uh, the next one is, uh, she says, I could raise my own children. Uh, I never liked the idea of the schools acting quote in loco parentis unquote because even when I didn't have complete disdain for public education, I never completely trusted them. To be quite honest, when my kids were in school, I often felt like the secondary parent because it always seems like I was answering to the school rather than the other way around. God gave me these children. It is my responsibility to raise them and no one else's. So, you know, I guess real quick, my, my, my take on that is that, uh, you know, that is the, this whole in loco parentis thing is just totally creepy. Um, you know, it, it's like, it's like, you know, it takes a village is, you know, something Hillary Clinton is famous for saying recently. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that statement in general, but the problem is that the the way that, that that statement is interpreted by our betters in, in the government or whatever, um, is just totally insane. You know, it's like, uh, well, it takes a village, therefore, you know, you don't get to uh, direct your kid's education. You know, it takes a village, therefore, the village is automatically the government. Somehow. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this whole in loco parentis thing, I mean, and, and you know, that that's part of, um, to an extent, you know, a lot of the college uh, stuff as well. And it's like, you know, dude, these people are 18, 20 years old. You know, they don't need you know, in loco par, I mean, it's just weird. It's like, let them grow up. I mean, they're adults for Pete's sake, you know? Um, yeah. It's crazy. Like you think of someone who's in middle school, like that kind of, that kind of age range mm-hmm. and they're spending six hours a day, five days a week in the school. And then they're coming home and they're doing other things that have been directed to them by their teachers mm-hmm. um, to the tune of yeah, th- two to three hours a day or something like that. And then it's like, well, there's stuff like that, right? There's your, that's more than 40 hours a week right there. Like they're spending what we would consider full-time hours doing stuff either in or for the school and spending less time with, with family and less time with other people. And yeah, that like there's the whole social aspect of that too. Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're being raised with, 30 or more people your age rather than a, a good healthy mix of understanding different ages and abilities. And it's like, you're, you're sticking, you're sticking kids in a, in a system that is, is designed for efficiency and not designed for necessarily for like the best situation for them to learn how to be a functioning person. Well, but, but Levi, we have the best psychologists in the whole wide world designing everything uh, just so your kid is perfectly and, and 
you know, totally normal. <laughs> and that's the, that's the word that we need to use, right? Everyone has to be normal. And to me, this is, I mean, it's just creepy. It's dystopian, right? It's, it's like, it's very creepy. It's like, it's like, well, maybe I don't want to be, I mean, well, what do you mean by normal? Cause I'm, maybe I'm not on board. Like <laughs> maybe normal but, is terrifying. So with, with our homeschool system here, we have um, a person that we meet with twice a year who mm -hmm. helps make sure that we're meeting our goals and, and that kind of thing. And she was saying um, like this, this idea that everyone learns everything at the same time is, is right. bogus. And she was pointing out like there's, there's kids who are four who can read perfectly. And there's kids who are in grade three, in, yeah. like in a homeschool setting where they're not forced to do it. Kids in grade three who are having trouble learning how to read. And she was saying like, that's, that is totally normal. And yeah. the school system says that's not normal. Everyone right. needs to learn on this day of the month pretty much which she and then she went to a bunch of examples where like um if you're forced to learn how to read and you have you have a disability like dyslexia or you just mm -hmm. have trouble picking it up you end up hating it and then even by the time you're an adult you still don't enjoy reading right and and lots of things like that like if you if you're given the opportunity to learn at your own pace which a lot of times means faster than the school system. Right. You learn, you learn ways to, to capitalize on that, that the school system can't teach you because you're, you're exploring your own abilities. Right. Yeah. And so some, yeah. And, and, and so I think there's, there's arguments two different ways, right? I mean, this is where we have the, the gifted program, uh, you know, that's part of special education. And then, you know, the other part of special education that's for kids that are, you know, a little slower. And, and what I think is so interesting is that, you know, it's almost like, again, we're, we, we receive this whole thing of like, oh, well, you know, the special education system is there to make sure that, you know, if they're, you know, really sharp and they they can, um, you know, learn faster than their peers, well, then they're allowed to do that. Um, and, and the special education program, you know, it's, it's there for them to, you know, if they're slower, if they have some kind of disability or something, you know, to help them out. And it completely ignores the social dynamic that is created in all of this, right? Mm -hmm. So like, the, the, the gifted kids are, you know, they're labeled the nerds or, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the kid themselves. I mean, and this is, this is the way it was for me. Like I was, you know, I wasn't really in the gifted programs, but I was like right on the edge. And, you know, I can remember, you know, people telling me like, oh, well, you know, you're, you're smart, right? How come you're not in the gifted program or how come you're not doing this? Right. Uh, and it was, it was a lot of pressure, you know, and I think it maybe had something to do with my career choice later on in life, but it really does profoundly change your psychology. And then you look at, you know, and, I, and now, now I'm thinking things a little differently. You know, my, um, my oldest has some, you know, has some, some issues and he has, he needs some special education stuff. And it's like, I, so, you know, once, once we started seeing that and, and so my son, you know, we, we, he goes to a, he goes to our parish school and he receives services from the school system. And it has been a giant mess trying to deal with the people in the school system, the special ed folks. They like in some, like last year they were pretty good, but then this year he's at this different school and they're just a mess um, and just creating all kinds of stress and, and, and just weird, weird things about, you know, the, the, you obviously know about funding and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I can remember the kids when, you know, in high school or even middle school and stuff 
who were a little slower and they were in those special ed programs. And, and what I think these people just don't understand is like how profoundly that affects the social situation. You know what I mean? Like these, these kids are not even, you know, are not normally kind of even allowed into the sort of normal, um, you know, uh, uh, public area of the school, right. In the sense that like the other students have considered them, you know, dumb or, something like that. And they're, they're mocked, they're made fun of mercilessly and they're labeled for the rest of their life. And then you talk to them later on in life, you know, and, and they're doing some kind of blue collar job. Right. And you know, it's like, they just have a, they have an attitude that, that like, I'm dumb and I don't know how thing, you know, like, I don't know. Um, you know, it's like, it's like a, it's, it's some kind of a uh, inferiority complex and, you know, for some mm, of these people. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to put my kid through that. Like, okay. Yeah. If he's not, you know, as smart as, you know, the average person, his age on, you know, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic or whatever. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the main thing is that he's my son or, you know, my daughter or whatever, and he's a person and he, he can, he can accomplish what he, you know, what, what, whatever he can accomplish. And that's totally fine. And that shouldn't, you know, that, that sh he shouldn't go through an institutionalized system that, that, you know, is, is almost, I wouldn't say designed, but is, is um, highly likely to give him some kind of weird complex. Yeah. It's like the, the treatment that he gets not, isn't necessarily bad, but like the treatment by the system, like to, to give him tutors and, and special situations right. to learn, right. but just the, the social issues that appear. And like, I, I remember in the, the school that I went to high school at, um, they had a classroom that was just for the people with, with a, a learning yeah. assistance mm -hmm. of, of some type or another. And, and I had a friend who, who was in that system. Um, and yeah, it was like, he was, he was not in a lot of the, the normal classes because he was getting one-on-one -on -one education and mm -hmm. not that the one-on-one -on -one education was bad for him, but it was just like, he, he didn't get the same, the same environment as everyone else. So he was automatically seen as, as different. Right. And, and I think that that definitely affected his experience throughout high school. And like, he, he definitely had less, less friends and more of a, a person who kind of had to rely on his own, his own processes because there wasn't, there wasn't people who were, who were familiar with him because he was, he was kind of, not not there all the time right right well so i i've got three more i want to cover here and i, I think we're going to go pretty quick through the, the first two of them uh so number five she says my kids began to have behavioral issues when they were in school she says uh like me my kids aren't perfect one thing i did notice however when they were in school was that their attitudes completely changed they talked back they argued constantly they started using street slang and basically lost their zest for life this happened for two reasons. They picked it up from their classmates and they were so tired and overstimulated from being in school all day that they literally didn't have the energy to try to behave. Trust me, I refuse to go through that again. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, I, my kids aren't old enough to, uh, I don't know. I, I, and my oldest is proud. He's eight. So, I mean, he, uh, he is, you know, I haven't really seen this from him because I think, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a Catholic school, you know, they're, uh, it's a small group of kids and I think they do a pretty good job of, 
kind of, um, you know, and he's not, you know, there's no social media, there's no, you know, there's none of this kind of garbage. Um, but, but I can remember, I mean, uh, you, you know, he was, he was having a real problem with like, you know, fighting kids and stuff. And, um, and so I think it's because he didn't, I mean, cause you're just putting these weird situations, right. Where you're, um, you know, you're in a, a big group of your own peers, right? And so there's yeah, just some weird odd... situations that you're not going to experience after school ever right. again. And so you just you have to figure out how to act. And it's like, and it's like, well, see, he just needs to learn how to act. He just needs a classroom experience. And it's like, no, he doesn't. Like, he's not going to be like, most likely sitting in a factory his entire life, which is which is really the reason why the school system is the way it is in the West, right? We We all picked up on the Prussian model um, I don't know if it's, I mean, maybe that's the way it is in Canada, but, you know, we picked up on the Prussian model with the bells and everybody lining up and, you know, all this stuff was to teach your kid how to be a good, you know, sort of uh, manufacturing employee. I mean, that was the point. Um, and, uh, and so it's like people, people don't understand that history. And so, you know, and they've never read Dewey, right? They've never read these like psychotic progressive idiots that, you know, were the foundations of the school system. And so they just take it for granted. Um, but so I, I don't know what, what, what do you think about this? Like, did you notice the transition like from when you went from being homeschooled to going to high school and all of that? I definitely, so when I, I went into school in grade eight and or eighth okay. grade, as you Americans say, <laughs> I definitely noticed that I, I didn't have certain social traits that most of the other kids had like i you weren't uh, normal <gasps> yeah i wasn't normal <laughs> um like the school i went to was a, a private christian school that uh oh, okay required to have a, a letter from your church saying that you were an active member mm. so everyone there was assumed to be christian and and that was that was definitely something like a reason why my parents picked that school right um but there yeah there was things like in grade eight where kids were using language that I had never, like I had maybe heard um, on odd movie here or there or something or out in public, but yeah, language that I had never used and not like, not like really vulgar swear words or anything, but just like stronger language and, and things like that, like the street slang, like in the, in the blog yeah. post. Right. And it just like, not necessarily things that were bad, but just, it's like this, this kind of this social circle of, of the, the cool, the cool lingo that everyone's using. Right. And you see that now, like with, with words like woke and based, right. it's like, yeah, like we're using those now and it's, it's kind of fun to, to use them. But in the school system, it's like, if you didn't have those, that, that vocab, you, you definitely didn't fit in. Like people would, people would notice and then on the on the tired you're not it's it's obviously you're not part of the the group if you're not using their slang yeah yeah like you you didn't fit in just because yeah. they were in that system already for 7 years leading up mm -hmm. to it so they right they all fit in perfectly and then yeah on the the tired and overstimulated point i definitely i definitely could relate to that like it's just i was used to you know 2 to 4 hours a day of sitting at sitting at a table doing my work and then here i'm thrown into a system where i have to sit in a specific time and a specific yeah. place in a specific way i couldn't sit with my knees up like i do right. all the time 
I, I couldn't right. get up and go for a walk when I got frustrated with how to figure something out. Right. All Just things like, that you would expect a kid to, to do when they're trying yeah. to deal with something. Yeah, exactly. And In, yeah, it's definitely like, I, to, to say like, yeah, it's based on this idea that we're training people to be factory workers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I personally wouldn't be able to argue that that is the case. Like I haven't done any research, but when I hear that kind of thing being said, it's like, yes, that's what it feels like. Yeah. The bell rings, you yeah. sit down, the bell rings, you stand up. Yeah. Because that's, that's the way it, it, it was done in the 19th century and, and, you know, in these factories and stuff like this, you know, you had a bell. I mean, that, that's, that's where they came up with it, you know? Um, and it, it, that also reminds me of like, here we, we joke that certain, certain types of jobs are union workers because it's five o'clock and everyone stops their work right away rather than yeah, right. finishing what they're working. It's like that, that reminds me of the school system where the bell rings. And even if you're mid sentence on your paper, mm-hmm. you're writing or whatever you stop. It's like, yeah. well, no, finish, finish your thought, finish your, finish yeah. your project, get it done. So you can. And see, I think this day. is especially tough on boys because, you know, boys are just different than girls and they have, you know, they, they, they're more rambunctious. They're more active. They're more, you know, they can't, like you were saying, it's so hard to just sit. And the thing with me was I was successful in school. I think as a boy, partly because I was just more acclimated to the sitting around thing. Like, you know, I have one brother and, you know, it was like my mom and dad and me and my brother, you know, and I was normally hanging out with my mom on stuff. And he was like, if we had our preference, I would be hanging out with my mom. He would be hanging out with our, with our, with our dad. And, and I think that, that, you know, pushed me into, um, you know, being a little bit better in school. And, and that's why I did so well. And, um, you know, as, as a younger kid and, and did pretty well in college and, you know, went on, um, much farther than, uh, you know, normal people do, um, in school. But, you know, I, at the same time, it just it gives you these weird complexes too, right? Because the, the school system wants you to behave in a certain way and it is very feminized. And then it's almost like when you, when you get older, you have to figure, I mean, this is why we have so many, you know, like all these memes about like friend zoning and stuff like this is <laughs> because we have, you know, two entire generations of boys who have, you know, been growing up in this feminized atmosphere and they don't understand that like women want something different from what they are. Right. Like you're not going to attract a mate by acting like a woman, right. You're going to get friend zoned, <laughs> you know? Um, and so it's just, it's such a challenge to, you know, when, when you have this massive institution, you know, forcing kids into this one mold. Right. Um, and, and it creates this, you know, this bad boy uh, kind of scenario. It's like, we're the only, the only kids that are even acting something somewhat resembling masculine is, you know, the kids who have behavior problems, you know what I mean? Cause they're, they're opposing the system. Uh, so I, I think there's a whole dynamic there, but um, okay. So number six, she says, we are at odds with the values being taught in schools. As Christians, we are finding that our values are being degraded in the education system more and more with each passing year. Whether it's through the curriculum or school policies, the educational establishment is at war with truth with a capital T. I will not stand by as my kids are taught things that go against everything we believe in. It's bad enough that they are bombarded with these things through TV shows, movies, and social media. I will not add fuel to the fire by allowing schools to have access to my kids too. This is probably the number one reason, like we, when we were going to homeschool, we wrote down a list, my wife and I, of mm-hmm. kind of like the reasons why. And if you go through it, so many of them are 
based on this point. Like mm-hmm. we believe that, you know, that certain things happened and in, in history and in the way the world works and that way. And, yeah. Yeah. and the school system doesn't even like here we have, we have uh, government funded Catholic schools right. um, and they are definitely better, but it's still based on this, this whole idea that, there's someone there's someone who knows the truth and they're the ones who are teaching it and the parents are at odds with that either either that they're wrong or that they just they don't know right and that that really bothered us when we were going through reasons to homeschool and it's just it's just that that thing like who who knows obviously there's like facts and encyclopedia knowledge and that kind of stuff that yeah sure the school system might know better but that's not all there is in life. But, but see, the thing is, is you can, the, the reality is you can find the facts very easily on your own. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like these days, there is no advantage to having a giant library, right? Unless there's some kind of gatekeeper, like, you know, journal articles. But I mean, you know, what, what, what 11th grader needs journal articles for Pete's <laughs> sake to get a basic education, right? They don't. And, and, and see, this is, this is what's so pernicious, I think, is that the school system sets up this authority figure that your kids are supposed to buy into. And it's like, okay, but then what you realize is that, okay, when your kid has this authority figure and all of a sudden now you're at odds with that authority figure, now your kid is confused, right? Because now you're yeah. telling the kid that they're supposed to do everything a teacher says, but then when the teacher tells them that, you know, um, we're running out of oil or, uh, you know, um, we only have 12 years left before, you know, cars, cars and cow farts destroy the planet. Right. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, well now I have to, (laughs) you know what I mean? I have to push back in some way, even if, even if it's just a clarification on something, or even if it's, you know, walking back, you know, and again, you know, most of these teachers are, again, educated in these, you know, education, um, you know, schools of education within the universities. And every, all the professors there are complete, you know, far left progressive lunatics. Like, it's, it's just the way it is. And you cannot avoid it. And so when you're at odds with these people, then your kid is confused. So it's not just the fact that they're being taught something that's, you know, stupid or crazy. (laughs) <laughs> it's the fact that they're being taught things and told to told that they have to listen. And then you tell them, well, but don't listen to that. And it's like, okay, well now I don't understand mom. Like now, you know, I'm 12 years old. What do you mean? Don't listen to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and because they're spending more time in the school system than they are out of it, they yeah. generally will use that as the truth and yeah. mom and dad are wrong on that issue. It's like, it's like good luck, you know? Like, and, 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 and on top of that, you have, you know, your family and friends, you know, your normie family and friends that are saying like, well, you know, what's wrong with, you know, the way the, you know, what's wrong with this or that opinion of the, the teacher, you know, it's like, I mean, come on, man, you know, like just, you know, like it's not so bad, you know, it's just the way, and it's like, yeah, well, it's not so bad as like, you know, literally the slope of the slippery slope. Right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. Like, and when they, when they do that kind of comment, it's like that one particular instance that you're talking about, that's not so mm-hmm. bad, but then you, you know, you add yeah. everything up and it all builds on top of itself. And right. eventually you've got this, this massive thing that's so different than yeah. the opinion of your family and your, yeah, it's, 
Yeah, yeah I mean, it, for Pete's sake, we have drag queens, you know, taking nude photos with children, you know, <laughs> and, and doing, you know, this weird library. And it's like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> like, how did we get here? And it's like, well, you got here because you started at the top of a slope and you said it's yeah. not so bad. And now you're here, right? Um, okay. So last, uh, number seven, our family can be central as it should be. When you have a child in school, between after-school programs, extracurricular activities, and homework, the most important thing is family, is what suffers the most. It, it's hard to build lasting familiar relationships when there's never any time for, well, family time. Uh, let's see. When my oldest daughter was the only one left in school, she used to come home and sit in her room for the rest of the day. I barely knew her. Now she's almost 18 and one of my very best friends. We watch shows together, go for walks, and just talk about our dreams, and our common interests, and our disagreements. And sometimes just plain goofy stuff. She's a completely different person than she was when she was 13, and I owe a lot of that to homeschooling. Now, let me just disavow some of this. If your kid is your very best friend, you're doing it wrong, right? <laughs> so I'm not 100% on board with redheadmom8.wordpress.com, but, you know, most of this stuff has been good until we get here. And I'm just like, yeah. wait a minute. Hold I on, think, why? I think she's, she's got a point there too. It's like, she, she is, she has a strong relationship with her daughter. Yeah. So maybe she's expressing it in the wrong way, but, but you're what, yeah. Like you're saying she's, her child is well socialized with her parents, which is like not even something people think of anymore. Right. Like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, you know, parental socialization is a good thing. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely like even the, the picture that they've got there of a family sitting on a hillside, looking at a view of the mountains, like spending time as a family doing things together mm -hmm. is such a, a foreign concept to some, to some groups. Like when you're, when both parents are working full time and you're in school and then you've got the summer where you're, you know, you go off to a camp and you do other outside of school activities because someone's got to take care of you. Mm -hmm. You spend so little time as a family that you know, your, your social circle better than, you know, your, your siblings and your parents. Right. And yeah. then, and then when you do have a thing like you, you know, you have a summer vacation week where you go camping or you go to a, a resort or something, mm -hmm. or you've got your, your various time off, like at Christmas, then you're, you're suddenly spending full time with your family and, and they're almost foreign to you and you don't know how to relate in the same way that you relate with, with the school kids mm -hmm. compared to as, as homeschooling where, you know, for us, the weekend is very similar to the weekday. We just, the routines are a little different and, but it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing about like a normal school day if you even call it that, that separates yeah. us in any way. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like that, that helps, especially for like elementary school age kids. There's definitely something there of building strong relationships with someone that you're going to have, you know, at least until you're in your thirties, forties as someone close by, assuming you don't move to the other side of the world. Right. And we have episodes on that, by the way. So. So there's, there's, yeah, there's a strong, there's a strong reason to, to connect with your kids and to connect with your siblings that the school system does not, it doesn't leave room for it. That's, that's the big issue is that 
it takes up so much of your life that you can't, you can't do those other things. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and I think, you know, in the sense that, you know, how important is this? Well, it's like, if you, if you grow up and you're very poorly socialized with your family, you know, especially, your, you know, especially your immediate family, good grief. Um, then, you know, you're, you're going to have, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to have the benefits of that support system, right? Cause you're going to be, there's always going to be tension there. Um, and, and it's just not, um, you know, it's just not part of a, uh, you know, what you would expect to be a long, happy life in a family, right? It's like these formative years are important because, you know, after, you know, after school, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe you're going to have a few friends from school, but in all likelihood, your family's going to be so much more important. And so why not spend more time with them and figure out how to, you know, be, you know, in a social circle with them? Yeah. And, um, when you're in a school system and like, if you, for whatever reason, you stop going to that school because you, you have to move or, Mm -hmm. or your, the system changes and your, like your education needs are different and you, you fall back on your family as, as the few people that you know in the new, the new situation. It's like, well, hopefully, hopefully you're good friends with your family and you can, you know how to interact with, with your younger siblings and your older siblings in a way that works with their abilities. And you're not just sitting around not knowing what to do because all you know how to do is talk to people your own age. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's such a strange, like social, I I don't know. It's, and it's, and it's, what's sad about it is that the effects of this thing for so long have, have had so much time to just sort of like, you know, infect the, the public that it's like, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome. Like, you know, there's this institution that's like ruining our relationships or at least contributing to the ruination of our relationships, you know, and our most important relationships and our, and our, you know, our ability to do something that human beings have been doing for, you know, all of human history, which is associating well with people that are not our age. Right. Um, and it's like in the last 200 years, we've like completely forgotten how to do that almost. And it's because of this institution. And yet everyone is told like, you have to be part of this institution. Um, and it's just so bizarre. Yeah. And we, we kind of give it a, uh, like we don't, we don't give it room for, for critique or anything like that. Like we, mm-hmm. when they say, Oh yeah, you need to do this. It's like, Oh, okay. That's what the school tells me to do. Like in, in many places in Europe, they've got their kids are going into school at ages of like three and four rather than five and six. Yeah. And, oh, and yeah. they don't, they don't see that as weird. Right. Like I, I talked to friends in Holland, like when I was, when I was a kid too, like I'd talk to my cousins and I'd be like, yeah, I'm homeschooled. They're like, what, what you can do that in Canada. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Europe is, Europe is completely lost uh, to all this stuff. Um, you know, I mean, they're, you know, like you, like you mentioned, you know, that, that in some sense, you know, Canada follows the U S on things, but I think both of us are following, following Europe down this, you know, weird, creepy, dystopian progressive uh you know rabbit hole uh, <laughs> and it's and it's not good well uh that's great i think uh, you know that's the end of her little blog post thing here and like i said i'll have a link to that and i'm also going to link to 
um, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association for our American folks. And if there is something, Levi, if you if you have some kind of associations for Canadians or something, um, you know, we'll we'll put those in there too. Um, but uh, thanks for listening, and please support the podcast. Uh, you know, just uh, set us up for you know a subscription. Um, we do have a uh, we do have the ability to uh, for you to support us monetarily as well on a monthly donation through Anchor. Uh, so please explore that if you're uh, enjoying the content. And just as a uh, as a note, uh, you know, I did take my month off with uh, you know my mom. Uh, passing away and stuff like that. Um, but I am back in the saddle here. And so uh, should, uh, you know, plan, plan for me to have weekly episodes from here on out. So um, thanks again, Levi, for joining me. And uh, hopefully we will uh, have you on again soon. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.